Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, Mo Farah slowed it down. So I had to go past him to pick it up. It was a horrible gutting feeling because you just like you don't want to f- not finish a race because you've put in so much hard work. And I remember just seeing that hotel just absolutely like crying my eyes out because I was just so gutted. Running with Jake, the podcast, because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Sorry, I'm just. I was just. Um... I was just Googling running shoes. I need some new running shoes. I think I've burnt them out in the Manchester Marathon. So that was just... I'm, I'm, I'm in the market, mate. I'm in the market for some new running shoes, but I'm here. It is the Running With Jake podcast, the show that brings you your weekly dose of running motivation every single week. We're here. We're back. We're fired up. We're rocking, baby. Come on. I'm still in a great mood after the Manchester Marathon. I thought I'd be miserable as sin. Because, you know, post-marathon blues, you've done a race, you built up to it, you got cramp, you hobbled, you crawled, fell across the finish line. You know, bear with the sore head. But I'm actually really fired up. But do you know what helped? Do you know what? Do you know what helped, Pete? Tell me, Jake, what helped? Well, well, there's kind of three things really. There's kind of three things. They're, they're, they're sort of connected. They are connected, really. The first thing is, I'm just buying loads of running shit I don't really need on the internet. That always helps me. A bit of. <laughs> Running shit retail therapy. Oh, People no. can relate, listen to the show. <laughs> they know the score, buying stuff they don't even need. Sometimes I buy shoes, they're not even the right size. I don't care, I just want them. They look nice, and I'm having them, and I rule. You're like my wife. You're just like her. I mean, admittedly, she's not buying running shoes. They're just different types of shoes. But, yeah... Um, are you are you going to get um, are you going to get buyer's remorse this time next week? Will will the will the reality have hit? Because yes, the thing that you built up to is finished. That's done, and then you'll realise that you've spent a lot of money on running shit you don't need. Well, I realise the whole buyer's remorse thing, but but ah, but yes, yeah. I counted it before it even kicked in. Before it became a thing, I counted it. It was like a straight left followed through the right hook. Do you know what I did? What? Signed up for the Manchester Marathon next year. Ah, come on. (laughs) Great. Come on. (laughs) You're always Manchester. You're very pro-Manchester, but London isn't so much on your your map of things to do now, is it? Why why are you picking Manchester over over London, just out of interest? Uh, Basically, I'm not fast enough to run London Marathon, my friend. That's why. Thanks for the reminder. No, look, you you can qualify for these races, so you can qualify to run the likes of London, which I've I've done before and I would like to do again at some point. But they've Mm. changed the rules slightly. Where It used to be the case that if you qualify, so you hit a certain target time in a, a qualifying race, another marathon like Manchester, then you automatically get a place in the London Marathon, which is brilliant. It's like a standard to kind of to, to aim for. But they since changed it whereby it's it's if you if you only just make the cutoff, so if you just dip under that kind of target that they've set, the likelihood of you getting a place is is very slim because the faster finishers usually get the places first. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like a bit of a pecking order. So it's a little bit harder. A little bit harder. It does make sense, yes, Jay, but I, it, it does confuse me a little bit because I saw London Marathon on the telly, mm. little bit of the footage, and there was a there was a tiger and a nun running together. Um, and I, how did how did they get in? <laughs> They're not faster than you. you. You say that, but I did tell you the story. I did tell you the story. I did tell you the story a few episodes ago. I was beaten by a guy dressed as a nun in the Amsterdam Marathon in 2015. It's obviously him. He's making the rounds. He's making his way around the globe. And obviously he smashed it in the London Marathon. But it does bring all sorts to races, these big races, people dress as all sorts. But it's interesting that you say you're a little confused because I did say there are three things here and this brings me nicely on to my third thing. So the first thing is I've been buying lots of running shit I don't need. The second thing is I've signed (laughs) up for the Manchester Marathon for next year with lots of my runners. They're supercharged and up for it again, which is amazing, the performance community. The third reason, and the reason you do not need to be confused, my furry little 
podcast producing friend. <laughs> yeah, okay. This involves you. This involves you. How? What do you mean it involves me? I've had an idea. Oh, no, here we go. This is where all bad things start. What's the idea? Well, look, I figure, you know, as a non-running guy, running a marathon, not necessarily... It's not necessarily on the cards for you. It's not in your mind. It's not something I know that even with me and my influential powers, my Jedi skills, I will not be able to convince you to sign up for a marathon. I get that, and I understand and accept that. However... Correct mundo. I, re- I realise it's something that the fans would say, but I'm also saying it on this occasion, yeah. But the Manchester Marathon, they do a relay. You can enter in teams of two, teams of four. I'm thinking you could be one of those team players, one of those relay members. How amazing would that be? Just picture the scene, Pete. You blasting, uh, plodding around the streets of Manchester on the 3rd of April next year. Part of a team, a unity, getting a medal, a chunky medal. I mean, you know, that's just, it's got you written all over it. I think you should do this. And I, I, look, at I can see you want to respond. I think you should just think before you respond. You should just think. Take a moment. Are you ready for my response now? Have you thought about it? Don't be so stupid, Jake. It's silly. It's daft. Aside from anything else, my birthday's on April the 2nd, which is the day before. What are you, like 12? What difference does that make? It's not... (laughs) What? (laughs) What difference does that make? (laughs) I mean, look... It's my birthday week, Jake. It's my birthday week. You do the Manchester Marathon Relay, do the final leg, and I'll give you a bit of pineapple and cheese on a stick. And a party hat. Just out of interest. Now, I'm not not indulging you at all here, but how long is the last leg, as you put it? Well, look, you can work this out. The marathon is 42 kilometres, right? 26.2 miles. And you can do it in either teams of two or teams of four. So effectively, effectively, you're looking at around about 10k, maybe a half <laughs> marathon. If you wait, what are you laughing at? What are you laughing at? Oh, <laughs> 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 I mean, come on, man! You can do it dressed as a nun. Oh, I can't contain myself. You're being silly. Come on, move on. Move on. I don't I don't want to. You've taken the wind out of myself. I was all charged and happy and buzzing and, you know, weekly dose and motivation and all that. And now, now look what you've done. Jake, you're being silly. Get over it. Come on, let's crack on. We've got a great show today, actually. We've got Jake Smith on the show. Okay, okay, I'm back, I'm back. Look, but we, we're going to pick up this conversation <laughs> later, my friend. You are not... <laughs> escaping this one jake smith today's guest he is a top guy so good to catch up with him what a fast speedy dude achieved some absolutely amazing stuff already in his relatively young career including a rather interesting incident in the cheshire elite marathon that went off earlier this year he made the headlines in that event and we're going to chat to him about this for the show notes and video content go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast Running with Jake, the podcast. So today's guest on the show, on the podcast, is one rapid dude. Look at that for the start of an introduction. Uh, 5k PB of 30 minutes and 38 seconds, 10k in 28.50, half marathon of 60 minutes and 31 seconds, and not that long ago, 
a marathon PB of 2 hours and 11. Won the London Half Marathon this year in 62 minutes and 3 seconds and recently been pacing for the second time running, second year running, in the London Marathon. Oh, and he's got a seriously cool name as well. Jake, <laughs> welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, very nice to be here and looking forward to the chat. Man, I can see you on Zoom rubbing your eyes there. Did those numbers, those paces and times make your eyes water? Because they did me when I was reading them out. I mean, that is rapid. I'm not surprised you sat on a sofa chilling out, mate. You deserve it. You deserve it. Have you been out there today running? Yes, I did. It was like a 65 minutes and 9.2 miles this morning just because I have a race tomorrow. So it's just a easy recovery day before tomorrow. Not only am I a non-running guy, Jake, I'm a, a lazy guy as well. And what I'd, what I'd say to you, just like a bit of fatherly advice, you know, you could go half the speed, you'd still be doing decent times. <laughs> just slow down, man. <laughs> no, no, there's a lot of, lot of times I want to get now, so, like, it, it'll be good fun. But I love seeing, like, people out there and getting into it. That That's a big thing for me. Like, a lot of people messaging me about my times and that, and I, like... To be honest, we're all out there. That's the main thing. We're all out there running, doing the exact same thing. Doesn't matter how long it takes you. At the end of the day, you finish 10K, you finish the half, and it's just a good day out. You're perfect for this show. You're the perfect guest. This is is exactly the sorts of things that we talk about on the show. You know, running is for everybody. Obviously, you're at the top of uh, the the, the pack here. You are, you know, getting to those stages where you're competing with world-class athletes now on that stage, which is just awesome. Loads I want to ask you about. Second year running pace the london marathon that must have been amazing mate how was it it's incredible as soon as i finished i was like i want to do this again like the support over tower bridge because you know I, I did the big half in london and i thought the support was there was big but it you can't hear yourself think you can't hear your footsteps or anything running over it and because i knew quite a lot of people at the race it was quite nice because there was only a couple of sections where there weren't any fans but just to go through london and be a british runner like you're going to run... I ran a mile extra than I had to, I think, just from the support. Wow. It just ca- carries you on. And I think with with that race as well, because it's such a prestigious race and you look at all the people who have won it and you're just, like, lining up at the start line. You're like, oh, my God, like, who else has done this before? Which other runners have broken the record? So, yeah, it was just... It was an incredible day. I mean, it's so historic, isn't it, the London Marathon? Even non-runners know about the London Marathon. All you got to do is say, yeah, I'm doing a marathon in a few weeks' time. It's like, oh, is it London? Is it London? Like, it's the only one in the world. But it is such a special occasion. When you're pacing, Jake... Is there a pressure, a certain degree of pressure to get things right when you're doing that? Because everybody, you know, you look at elite athletes like yourself, you look at these world-class pacers and they, they, everybody looks in control and composed. That's obviously on the outside. I'm not quite sure what's going on on the inside. But do you feel a certain degree of pressure? Or are you quite calm and collected about the whole thing? I think the first time I did it, because this was the second year running for the London Marathon, the first mile was always horrible because... Yes, you can go off the watch, but you know sometimes when you start a run, the watch can, like, flicker around a certain pace or you go off too hard. So because I'm helping others, you can't... You need to get... the Once the first mile's out of the way, it's just easy after that because, the like, the watch settles in and because the London is quite long roads, it's easier. Whereas if there was a twisty and turny, you would have real no clue. Um, so, yeah, once the first mile's out of the way, but honestly, it's... The pressure is... It's like for the first stepping on that line, you're just like, oh my God, I'm having to help all these guys. If I run 15 seconds a mile too fast, they're all going to blow up. Um, yeah, so it's honest, the first mile is just the scariest thing in the world. I could go to the Olympic final and I'd still be more scared to do the first mile of a pacing job. But then at the end of the day as well, when I go into these pacing jobs, um, 
I'm not as nervous as I am in a race because in a race you're like thinking about yourself how you're going to do whereas with a pacing you're thinking about helping others no one no one else really so that's what I love to do it's a weird thing isn't it I imagine because you have got that degree of pressure it's a responsibility at the end of the day and something like the London Marathon it's televised there's so many eyes on you not just there like physically in London but obviously you know washing around the globe as well so how does it work for people that don't understand pacing I mean when you're in a mass participation marathon I've followed paces before you know but I'm looking at 3.30 or whatever time that might be when you've got world-class athletes and it's your job to get them round to a point how does it work in terms of the organization jake for those people that don't understand how do, how do you pick that pace and do you just stick to it no matter what or is it a degree of communication that needs to go off between how the runners are feeling there was quite a few uh, meetings before the actual race so there was the day before and that morning and with the group so because 2 11 30 is like the olympic time the world champs time it's quite a big barrier so if you break that you're in you can get into a team so we spoke to the athletes before and we were like um because it's quite a big um time we were like who wants to come with it which people want to come with it and then before the race one of the directors spoke to us and he said with a pacer um at this elite level it's not about he doesn't care what time they run or anything you have to be constantly checking with the athletes to make sure they're on pace so for example because i was there to do a job for them if they wanted to slow down i had to slow down if they wanted to speed up i had to speed up and that's the only problem i have with say the Kenyan runners or some of the African paces, you've seen some of the guys just shoot off. I don't think they've been told. They actually almost have to work with the athlete. They've just been told a pace they have to hit. Whereas when I've been doing it, I'm constantly looking around. I'm also like almost, I know because of COVID, you're not really supposed to, but like picking up drinks for them, making sure they have their drinks. And if they want to speed up, for example, I might make the mile quicker and just say, I, I literally say to them, thumbs up, thumbs down to tell me how, how you're feeling. And I, I just have, because I've done it quite a few times, I've now gone to quite a good routine. And I think that's the best way. You just need to work off the athlete. At the end of the day, it's helping them get to the finish line, no matter how fast or slow. So I'm there to do a job and helping them out. I mean, that must be so draining, Jake, because not only are you on pace as well and you know physical exertion there you're not thinking about yourself as much whereas you would be in your own race you're thinking about other people how are they feeling you know do they want to speed up slow down make those adjustments you must have to be totally switched on the whole time with the london marathon because there was so much support you just zoom out really um but like you said you do have to switch on and you're just going through k's quite the k's are just going by so quickly not really thinking about anything else you're just constantly looking at the watch every time we go through the mark so every time we went through the mile marker i would lap my watch to make sure um we were on pace because like i said going through canary wharf there's so many turns the watch just it doesn't know what it's doing through the building so you're manually manually lapping the watch is so much easier it hurts your back afterwards because you're like constantly looking backwards but no it's, it's amazing you can be completely honest we're very honest on this show are you sick of people asking about the cheshire elite marathon and what went down on that day are you, are you still getting questions about it um i honestly think it's helped me in the long run for it because with this pacing because i've like paced it and i think i hit the splits well and the same with london like phil won the race he said he couldn't have done it like I helped him as much as I could to 20 miles and I've actually been asked to pace another race next weekend it's a bit of a step up so I'm quite excited for it what's this what's this race that you're pacing all the flights have been booked so I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to say but it's the you know the Rotterdam Marathon I do I'm pacing Bashar Abdi you know the uh, Belgian guy who came third of the Olympics 
he actually messaged me and he's going for the European record so he wants me to pace him to 25k going through in halfway what? in 62 minutes going to Rotterdam wow. next weekend for a pacing job for the bronze medalist it's quite cool on the Wednesday I was just going through Morrison's going for a weekly shop and you see a message off the bronze medalist from the Olympics meshing you asking <laughs> and he all he meshes me is oh 62 minutes will be easy for you on the flat and I was like okay my, I know my PB 60-31 but 62 minutes is a bit of a bit of a step forward from the pacing I've been doing. It'd be nice if you had a slightly bigger cushion, wouldn't it, really? Make life a little bit easier for you. Free trip to Rotterdam, so it'll be good fun. See if I can help him get the European record. There's an experience you'll never forget. I mean, you really have you really have made a bit of a name for yourself here, Jake, haven't you, in all seriousness, with regards to not your own running, but pacing as well. It's incredible. Look, many people know what happened in the Wrexham Elite or Cheshire Elite Marathon. I want to hear it from you. Just tell people for, that didn't know. what you, So you had a job to do in that race. You had a job to pace people. Up to what point should you have been pulling out and pacing people? I spoke to my coach, and because I was there to help them, I said about 15, 16 miles. I didn't tape for it, so I did like 18 miles two days before like a session, a steady and a recovery run, and then like 50, 60 kilometer bike the day before or something, and then the travel. So I hadn't tapered for it, but like I said, when you go into pacing, you're not thinking about yourself, you're not really thinking about how tired you are, you're like, I have one job, and that is to get them to the end. I'd been quite lucky because I'd been training for 10k, so I was quick at the time, and the pace just felt easy, and I remember going through, because it was a lap course, it was like seven laps, so it's actually a lot easier mentally, because you're like, you almost know what how much time each lap should take instead of London Marathon like you're just looking ahead and you just see a constant road so yeah we were pacing around and there were two guys with us and it was me and Phil who won the London Marathon and at 15 miles oh, I keep forgetting his name but the guy who came second stayed with me and every time when we got to 15 miles he's like please just stay for one more lap so I was like okay I'll stay one more <laughs> lap and my mum gave me my gel at 13 miles and I hadn't been practicing anything so I only had one gel in the race no water or anything so yeah we get to 18 mile and I was like one more lap I was like okay okay I'm gonna stop at 20 and we get to but then it wasn't 20 miles because the lap like finished on 21 miles and my mom's screaming at me like you have to stop you have summer races and I was like no nah. like I looked at my watch and I was like oh my god we're on time for the Olympic time so I said okay there was two laps left um, I said to race organizers I actually ran past them and said can I finish this race am I allowed to finish this race and they were like yeah go on and I stayed with the guy who came second until the last lap and I looked at my watch and we were like on the border and I was like you know what like I've helped him for 22 23 miles he's been on my back and you may have seen some videos I'm like turning around shouting at him to get on to just he, he did miss out by seven seven eight lap seconds but he did message me saying like thank you so much I wouldn't been able to run the time but I think my last lap was my first lap of the day I just put my head down I was like you know what I'm not thinking about my mum not thinking about anything else and yeah finished it but I didn't call my coach for about an hour after because I was at, I was so nervous what he was going to say. I had a feeling he was going <laughs> to scream at me. Um, yeah, and I crossed that line. And there was, because it was like one of the first races, it was quite nice because there was actually quite a bit of support at the finish line. And I crossed the line and I was like, what the hell have I just done? And yeah, the rest is history. And I think it, even though I didn't finish the 10K for the Olympic trials, I think it's almost paid off more because I've like like I said I've been asked to do the Rotterdam pacing been asked to do London Marathon pacing and in terms of like a session like to run a 211 marathon just now I know what it feels like so who gave you the name the Marathon Maverick where did that come from Marathon Maverick I mean that is that is badass that's that's all that's an awesome name if you're gonna have a nickname I need to talk to James about this the, the money side of it because he just messaged me after saying 
yeah, I've bought some sh shirts for you called Jake the Maverick. And I was like, oh, okay. No, no decision making or anything. He did it straight away. So um, at least I got a free one off him, which is good. We had your coach, James T, on the show recently. We didn't ask him about this. I wanted to wait to, to hear it from the horse's mouth. But he's coining it in off your name. You, you need to have serious words with him, Jake. You need to have serious words with him. I'm just a bit concerned that Pete's getting some ideas here. Now, I'm trying to talk Pete into taking part in the Manchester Marathon next year, Jake, in 2022, the relay side of things, so as a team. Now, Pete, he's sort of loosely toying with it. He might be slightly coming around to the idea, I sense, but... but... When you say... When you say... I don't understand. I really don't understand what part of don't be so stupid, Jake, you don't understand. In his mind, somewhere, it transfers into, yeah, Pete's going to do it. I don't understand that. You say the same things at the bar, Pete, when I say, I'll get you another drink and you say no I don't want another drink then I present you with it and guess what you drink it I'm well, just concerned that you'll end up doing a Jake Smith and I don't want you getting carried away at 10k you're supposed to stop in Manchester I don't want you thinking sod this I reckon I can go on and win it here <laughs> speaking to the organisers the St John's ambulance crew is it alright if I finish this mate and win it will anybody mind will I get told off I know I know what you're like Pete I know what you're like uh, okay okay. you just be a bit careful mate you just be a bit careful Jake I want to ask you about Great North Run as well because you came fourth in that um, behind Galen Rupp, which must have been, I, I mean, remarkable. What a what a bizarre situation in many respects, I suppose, casting your mind back a few years ago. How could you have imagined being there behind Galen Rupp, you know, uh, when he's chasing third position, finishing fourth in the Great North Run? What did that feel like? And what was going through your mind when you were behind Galen Rupp? After the race, he was so nice to me. And you saw he came second in Boston or Chicago this weekend. And when I finished and I was like fourth to him, all I could think about was like, there's like this photo I put on from 2012 where I was at this swimming gala, gala in back in Hong Kong where I lived with a, like a red hat on, like this chubby little kid about to t go take part in the swimming pool. And he's he's coming second at the um, 10K for the Olympics. You might have seen like with 800 to go, I started to kick and tried to beat him, but he had me with 100 metres to go. And yeah, just to finish in that, caliber field like I beat Basher at the end I beat some really really good like Stuart McSwain even though it was his first half I beat him and I, it was actually a race but I was I was really really happy with the result but I actually um, spoke to my coach about because it was you know after race you always think about what went wrong what went well and I was very well with how I finished but there was also some negatives from the race one of the things is was my weight so I was, I, for some reason, had lost quite a bit of weight. I, I think I just, because I was on a training camp and I was light as I'd been for a race. And when Mark Scott and Cheserek went, I just missed the gap and just didn't have the strength. I've now put on a kilo and a half, two kilos. And I said to my coach, if they had done that again, I think I would have been able to go with them because I just had the strength. And it was just like, I just want like to tell people because people ask me about, oh, what weight you are. And I, I honestly put my hands up and I screwed that race up because I just think I was too light. And now I almost wish I could do it again at the weight I am because I've, I haven't felt this strong before in terms of like my training, recovery and that. And yeah, I think I got that wrong. But like you said, to be in that calibre of the field was unreal. But you almost look at some of the negative and positive aspects of it. Are you somebody that really likes the data and the detail, Jake. And I guess what I mean by that is, do you really like to take some ownership of your running and understand what's going on, understand the benefits from the sessions? Or are you quite happy to almost be, 
a passenger and just let other people kind of go direct you and guide you or do you like all that sort of stuff i mean i saw you had the uh, you, you've had a blood lactate test at the university of exeter you know do you just wait for your coach to tell you what to do with that information and data or do you really like to get your teeth into it and understand it in terms of weight like now i found like the perfect weight for my race weight whereas um where so when i did the lactate testing i was that weight i've done some cross-country sessions now heavier than i was at great north and Honestly, I've never felt so strong or never run so fast. And well, one of the big things was because I lost so much weight, my resting heart rate during the night, like I know it's on the watch, but was so much higher than it is now because I think my body was just churning into my muscle and didn't have the right nutrients. So I've got that right in that respect. And then when you said about the testing, so it's quite interesting. So for, for example, today I went for a recovery run and I decided what heart rate because I know what is best for me and what it has to be in order to for me to be in a recovery zone and james knows that so he i really dive into the data i make sure i'm in the right zones essentially for sessions and races it doesn't for me i just go absolutely mental like so i enjoy it but it's the other stuff i try and get onto and because i do a lot a lot of cross training so a lot of my easy runs are actually cross training substituted and for that i try and get my heart rate to a similar level to what it would be on the easy run and it's benefiting me so much because my legs feel more fresh. So James almost lets me in that respect decide what runs I want to do. But then when it comes to sessions, he decides what sessions I should be doing and we'll just like talk about maybe I'll do another rep, do another set and so forth. I really appreciate some of the things you're sharing in this chat, Jake. And I think a big thing that leapt out for me there talking about weight is for people listening to this show now, I think it's very easy to think of weight and think, that losing weight is going to help with running. And yes, for sure, there is some truth in that. But I think there's also people out there, perhaps people listening to this show now, that would benefit from doing what you did, Jake, and potentially putting on a little bit of weight and feeling a little bit stronger and feeling like they have that that resilience and able to generate that kick and that power in kind of the last stages of the race. I think that's a really interesting sort of thing that you mentioned there. I really appreciate that. I think what as well, one of the most um, important points for me is actually if people have like watches, like you can wear the Polar Watch, the Garmin Watch, and it actually tells you what your resting heart rate is in the morning or when you wake up, take like five minutes and then check your pulse. If your heart rate's getting too high, like it was for me before Great North, um, because essentially because I was losing weight it was getting higher and higher because like I said my body wasn't um, getting the right nutrients in it was just like almost fighting off my muscle that's when I had to call a rest day in because my heart was too high and I think it was and then I weighed myself and I was just way too light for what I wanted to be and like I said I put on two kilos now um, and I haven't felt this strong and my heart rate hasn't been this low during the night even on runs even on session days so it's it's very hard because I've been quite lucky because I have data and I have people to talk to to almost find that what weight I should be but like I've written my calendar for the last year like it's almost I have like a routine like every every week once or twice a week I write down what what weight I am and I've almost found the perfect weight for me so I looked at what I was before world half before the Cheshire marathon before now and it's all like the same now so I have a region I want to stay in if I'm way too light, I'd rather be he- over the region than under, because at least over, I still have more strength than ever, whereas under, I just feel lackluster and I just won't perform. What did you weigh for the Great North Run? I weighed myself the day after, considering I ate absolute ton of foods, like, and that was, I was 55.3, which is extremely too light for me, I think. 
and now I'm back up to 57 and a half, 58. Uh, yeah, 50, 57 and a half. So that's almost two kilos heavier. And I've, I'm getting PBs in cross-country session. I had my best ever session on the cross. And yeah, my heart rate hasn't been as low as it has been when I'm resting. So it's just, I think, like you said, like a lot of people want to lose weight, but it really doesn't help because you lose that strength. I mean, you sound to me, Jake, from speaking to you, really logical guy, obviously super amounts of performance that you want to extract for all your races and ambitions in the future. But you, you also come across as somebody that's very, very open. And I thought this anyway from looking at you on Strava. It's not hidden. People want to go and check out your Strava account. They can go and have a look. And one thing I noticed is you're not particularly conservative either on there, meaning you, you're not vague. You'll say exactly what the session is and you'll title it and you'll even go in and add some notes and stuff and, and what maybe you've, you did each repetition in. Do, do you? Is that just who you are? Do you want to share all that? Or is there a kind of reason behind it? Or do you ever think, well, actually, you know, now I'm getting to the stage where I'm, I'm competing with the best of the best here. Do I need to be a little bit more secretive in terms of how I train. At the end of the day, I want to inspire people to get running and that's the main idea of it. And I've got so many messages of people saying thank you for inspiring me, thank you for getting me back into running. I've even had some people who've had like family troubles, whatever, and they say because they're following my training and I'm inspiring them, they get back into it. And I think with Strava, I think it's such a great app and I get a lot of messages from it about in terms of, like you said, repetitions on the cross trainer. I play this heart rate game. It's just stupid things. So I just... I say to my girlfriend or my coach, okay, just pick out a number and I'll try and run that, get that heart rate for the run. Um, it just makes it a bit more enjoyable. And a lot of people are asking, like, at the end of the day, I'm doing this training to benefit me, but if people want to follow, I, I really don't mind because I know what works for me and if it works for them, I'm really happy for them to do that. Most elite athletes don't do it and a lot of these, like, newbies to runners don't actually know what they should be doing. They Yes, of course, they could follow something online, but it's like you don't know what the elites are almost doing and because I'm following some of the sessions the elites do, I don't mind putting it on and being open with everyone. Yeah, I mean, I guess ultimately you've still got to deliver the sessions yourself and do the sessions irrespective of what you read that somebody else has done and, and it's about finding what works for you, which clearly you, you are doing with the people that you have around you. Do You, you mentioned heart rate quite a bit. You've been tested, as, as I said, on, at the University of Exeter. I love all that blood lactate testing. I love running on heart rate myself. Is that something you particularly enjoy do you have like a i guess a preference jake of how you monitor the intensities of your runs now i appreciate that obviously when you're on the track and you, you're really dialing into pace it's a slightly different thing but do you like running on pace do you like running on heart rate or do you do you prefer running overall on feel for kind of like those classic easy steady runs very weird so it's like it depends on the day so on like a wednesday and saturday which is purely recovery runs I would love looking at heart rate because every day is almost so hard. The Wednesday and Saturday is the only two days that are easier. So I don't want to screw myself over. I don't want to make myself work too hard. So I know which heart rate works for me and which heart rate is in the recovery zone. So I like to stay there. Then with steady runs and that, it's more about how I feel and pace. But then I do take into consideration heart rate whenever I cross train. So whenever I'm on the cross train in the evening or in the morning, I will always make sure I'm in my easy state and um, just get the heart rate up because then I know I'm getting as much benefit as I would be on the road because at the end of the day, your body doesn't know what you're doing. It just knows you're working to a certain heart rate and that's why I think it's really, really benefiting me because you can go on for longer for on a bike. You can go on for longer for on a cross trainer. You're not pounding the road. You're saving your legs and yeah, yeah, it's really good. The body doesn't know what you're doing. 
doesn't, does it? You know, effort is effort. Of course, if you've got running goals, it, it makes sense you need to spend a reasonable amount of time running and that probably should be your focus. But if, let's say, you pick up a bit of an injury or a niggle, I have to tell you, Jake, you know, you, you, you sound like somebody really wants to obviously inspire people and help people to run. Uh, we, we were training a group of people for Manchester Marathon and I had um, one of my runners unfortunately injure her toe the week before and she couldn't take part in the Manchester Marathon. I mean, absolutely gutting. You know, I felt my, my heart really went out to her. She put all that commitment in. And, and, and we know training's never raced it, right? It's only banked. You just use it in the future. But the point I want to make is, Lorraine, sending you lots of love, Lorraine, she has an elliptical trainer. You know, I've mentioned this to her, that you can still, because you will be able to get back on the elliptical sooner than getting out there running with the impact, your body still doesn't know what you're doing. So it's still effort. You can still get that cardiovascular benefit. And it's great to hear from people like you, Jake, that you love the cross training and it's a staple uh, part of your training. I mean, how old are you? You're 23, 24? 23. 23. So it's very easy, I think, at that age to almost feel like you're invincible and just, you know, smash up the running, smash up the running. You're driven, you're driven. You don't want to finish at 20 miles when you're pacing a marathon. You want to go on and win it because you know you can. You've got that drive to have that intelligence to go hang on a sec I, I need to actually do a bit of cross training here i can put a bit more fitness and training through the body i think that's awesome and i think it's a huge takeaway from this from this chat with your good self listen i want to ask you about something now and, and and we're talking about all the positives here on all the performance and all the training and your future but i know it's not all rosy and it it hasn't been all rosy and, and, and that's life and I think it's a lot of a lot of that stuff is relatable for people listening. Can you tell me about the your Olympic trial experience that the, the, the ten thousand meters? Can I ask you about that? Yeah, yeah. Um oh, it was horrible. It was like as soon as I stepped off that track I knew I was in a bad way. You almost wanna take yourself away from the track. Because I was so pumped for it. I mean the marathon wouldn't have helped but I was so pumped for it. I was training. The week before I looked at my trainer, I was like, what was I doing? Because I was absolutely flying in sessions. And because that whole year I had this one goal in mind, um, I just didn't get it right. I stepped on the line. I thought I felt good. Mo Farah slowed it down, so I went on the... I had to go past him to pick it up. It was a horrible gutting feeling because you just like... Whenever... You don't want to not finish a race because you've put in so much hard work. And I remember just sitting in that hotel, just absolutely like crying my eyes out because I was just so gutted. But it almost gives you that, like since then now I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna be an idiot and train like I did before it. Um, I want, I like, I want to show people I can get this 10k time, and it's given me so much energy and determination for next year to try and run that time and just be a bit more smarter. And yeah, but it's like the day after, you're like, I, I never want to run again. <laughs> That's what you're thinking. But then a few days later, you get back into it. And you're like, oh, you know what? I do miss the sport. And I, I took a bit of a break, like eight, nine days off, just to mentally get back into it. And then as soon as you start on another start line and you have a good race, it's just you almost forget about it. And then you're almost as good as your last race. So... I've done a few races since then. I did see your heartfelt Instagram post that you put out actually after the, the disappointment of the, the trials and you were very, very honest again, Jake, and you mentioned about taking a bit of time out. What do you do to take time out? How does how does that work for Jake Smith? What what gives you the downtime? The day after, uh, I'm not sure my coach would want to hear this, but I just went straight to the pub and straight on a night out. So um, I wasn't like, I think I just messaged some guys and I'm just like, you know what? I need to let, let my head down. I need to... <laughs> have some beers and that but afterwards we went we went out a few times i just like stayed away off social media stayed away off like 
off the running scene almost just enjoyed myself so went out for food went out for drinks with people met up with people i hadn't seen for before because the running takes such a big chunk out of your life you almost can't go out and see people so i did everything i could that i wouldn't really been able to do and it was so nice because you you need this mental break you need that some time off running otherwise if you're just constantly running every day every year you're not going to do anything you're like you're going to almost get um sick of it whereas all us runners we like you ask every track runner they when they're in the mid-season towards the end of the season they love a break they love the two-week breaks they can just have a bit of downtime so you mentioned on instagram in the aftermath of those trials about setting off too quick you 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 knew that you'd set off too quick did you know during the race or was it towards the end where you thought hang on here or did you know that you were being ambitious from the off i think it was about 3k in when because there was a a couple of laps which were just slightly too quick and it's mad how a second or two a lap can play such a big factor because you're working at such a high rate anaerobic rate um just that piece it can get the lactic building a bit more and i think by 3k i know i at that point i was like ah i'm struggling i'm hurting here already and i shouldn't have been because it was a 10k just a couple of laps i think i just overdid it and that's something to next time not to do thinking about it afterwards reflecting what else did you learn from that experience not necessarily just kind of in terms of execution but whether things in training sort of mindset what did you gain from that that can help you in the future for future races one of the big things was nine days before i did a 10 mile session on the track it was a k on k off and i ran 46 24 for it and i, I looked to the rankings i would have been it would have been the fourth fastest time in british history and i was like uh, okay, in nine, ten days' time, I'm supposed to be doing a 10K flat out, even though my heart rate was higher than it was at Great North, higher than it was at Big Half. So I was like, uh, okay, I've worked way too hard here. So in terms of training, I overdid it. And one of the big things was the nutrition side. So because the race was so late, I saw all the Africans, all the elites, eating like a good substantial meal. And I was like obsessed with bagels. So I just had bagels before it. And it was like a case of, did I get my food prep wrong? Did I eat too late? Did I eat too early? So it's something I've worked on and I've now found a solution for it and it's helped me in other races. You mentioned bagels and I'm like, uh, I'm well in this conversation. I've got to know which which bagels you're into because I'm very much a big fan of the cinnamon and raisin, raisin at the moment, man. They blow my mind. And sesame. I love the sesame one as well. Oh, sometimes I think one is going to be enough, but it never is. I nice. quite like the wholemeal bagels, actually. But I know it's, a, you know, kind of slightly healthier, but you can't really get them <laughs> easily, man. You have to, like, order them on the internet. I've oh. always, always had a thing for bagels. In fact, my mum used to try and convince me that they were, like, one of the most dangerous foods in the world because I think she read somewhere <laughs> that like apparently there were so many Americans that used to like cut themselves when they were cutting the bagel because that's just quite yeah. difficult to hold isn't it while you're cutting the bagel so she actually bought me I don't know if I've got it somewhere in the kitchen uh, a bagel slicer so that's that's one of the contraptions that I have. Wow. Mate, it's awesome. Jake, you <laughs> need to be checking it out, man. You don't want to lose a finger yeah. or two. Although there are, if you get if you pay a little bit more for your bagel, like sometimes I do, um, you can get a pre-cut one. That blows my mind. The pre-cut bagel, yeah. Look out for them. Seriously, your fingers will be safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's just, it's, it's he's important. got that glazed look. He's thinking, <laughs> I know. why like, did on, I you idiots. agree to this? <laughs> it's like, this is a running show, boys. Let's, let's get back to that. What? What am I involved in? I could be playing the heart rate game with my mates and instead I'm here talking about bagel obsession. Jake, it has been absolutely awesome chatting to you on the show. We must get you back on again. We love speaking to our guests about all things running. You're very open and honest. Tell me before we let you go, what's the big dream? Where are we going from here? What things have you got in your sights? Obviously Rotterdam, that's coming up. 
Yes, um, a medal the, for the marathon at the Olympics. That's the dream. That's what I'm aiming for now. Pete too, Pete too. Uh, I wish you the very best <laughs> of luck, Jake. Almost. I think you're going to absolutely smash it, mate. Can't wait to see. Uh, but uh, just a little tip for you. I have been looking at some of your Strava sessions. There's one or two runs where you don't do the rounding up thing. You know, I've noticed one or two sessions where it's like 7.95. You could just jog around your front door, just round it up to eight if you want to call yourself <laughs> a proper runner. That's all I'm saying. Just a little tip for you. Well, we've got one more question for you, Jake, before we let you go. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. But what does the word motivation mean to you? Oh, I haven't really been asked this question before. Um, I'd love to say that question. Jake had never asked anybody this question before, but he no, has many times. Never. <laughs> I think for me, it's like a lot of a lot of the times you see people training, you like, because I see a lot of people training, can you see the results? And it's other people's results. You see how well other people do. And when you step over that cross, whenever I finish a, finish a race now, I just want more. So I think that's the word. It's, it's just one as, as soon as you start, even a starting race, even finishing a race, you're just motivated to do more. And I, I see other people doing so well. And I think it's a bit of a rivalry. When I see some of the athletes I'm racing against doing well, I'm like, okay, that's it. I need to work, step up my game. So... Yeah. Jake, I love it. It's been amazing chatting to you. Get packed for Rotterdam. Catch up soon, man. Awesome. Running with Jake, the podcast. Look, what about if you run the Manchester Relay as a pantomime cow? No! Rabbit dog? No! A giant badger. (laughs) No. You could do it dressed as a beggar. I don't want to do it dressed as a beggar. I'm not doing it. Don't. Be honest. I've got your attention now, though, haven't I? There you are with your little flat cap running along. I've got your attention now. I've got your attention. Look, just do your little begging bit in your mind. You're on the streets of Manchester. The crowd are going wild. And here comes... Patreon Pete. It's not a begging bit. If I was Morning. on the streets of Manchester doing a 10k, my beg- I wouldn't even be able to speak. I wouldn't even be able to do that. I'm, I'm out of breath running up the stairs, man. How would I be after 10k? I hate to think. Um, you are, of course, referring to the fact that it, this is not begging. This is not begging. This is just giving people, you listening, a chance to put your hand in your pocket and go, yeah, the guys do a decent a, a decent show. Uh, I take some uh, some value from the content. You can have it for free. If you can't afford it, that's fine. If you can't afford it, uh, take it for free. Listen to it. It will always be there for you, and you can take value from the content. However, if you're sat there and you're driving um, a quality German car, and I'm talking a BMW, I'm talking a Mercedes. I'm talking something of this ilk. Um, I'm talking a Porsche. Or maybe you're one of those people who call it a Porsche. Maybe you're one of those. If you have a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, you, my friend, can afford to pledge some money. So do it. Because let me tell you, I drive an old VW and Jake doesn't even have a car, okay? That's where we're at here. That's where we're at. This costs us money. What you're listening to in your nice Porsche right now costs us money. If you want to help out, um, we'd love you to. <laughs> I love I love people in quality German cars. Uh, what, <laughs> all you have to do is you have to go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast and just pledge some money on Patreon. Um, no coppers, please. They'll rot the bottom. But not while you're driving your nice fancy German car, obviously. Maybe wait until you arrive <laughs> yeah, to wait. your destination. Although, if it's one of those Mercs, I'm sure you can do something just by talking to it. It'll do it for you. <laughs> Give the boys some money. <laughs> and now it's time to take another one of your questions. It is indeed hashtag AskJake. <laughs> 
Today's question comes from Sarah, who wants to know how to avoid feeling rubbish after a run. Sarah, there's a, there's a few things here, a few thoughts that I have. If you are pushing yourself too much in your runs, then uh, there's a greater chance of you feeling a little bit pants afterwards. So just be mindful of intensity. Make sure you're not asking too much of yourself. If this is something, however, that continues, you're running at the right effort, but actually it's a continuous feeling that you're having after your runs, it may be a sign that you're overtraining. Left leg feeling lethargic after runs, a little bit irritable, just generally feeling a bit rubbish. That can certainly be a sign of overtraining, so just be very mindful of that. And if it is a case, just have a little bit of time out to let the body and the mind recover. Fueling is also another important thing to consider, so make sure you're not leaving it too long after your runs, especially if it's a particularly long run or a quite in, uh, quite an intense run. Just make sure you, you are giving yourself some nutrition and hydration uh, within a reasonable time frame after your run so that that can just help you to bounce back, pick your energies, energy levels up, and hopefully get you feeling good and appreciate the run you've just done, which is what it's all about. While I'm still in this super helpful mood, what about a Halloween costume, Pete? I mean, you haven't really got to even think, have you, about that? You're going to just wander into town now and the costumes are going to be everywhere. A bit of an axe on the head, some zombie paint, you know. that. How much fun would you have on the streets of Manchester with us running the relay? Did I, I just, Have you thought about this, really? Have you, have you given it some serious thought? It sounds horrendous, Jake. It's a no. It's a no. Well, I think you should do it. Jake Smith thinks you should do it. <laughs> Basically, I'm going to ask every single guest. <laughs> he didn't that say he that. Did, he didn't he did. say he just, that. He didn't oh, oh, say that. Oh, he's just emailed me now. Yeah, he's just emailed me now. <laughs> I'd go with the giant badger. That's what he said. Not my words. The words of Jake Smith. The words of Jake Smith. <laughs> this has been your weekly dose of running persuasion. Oh. No, running motivation. I'm going to work on Pete after the show. It's not persuasion, it's harassment. Of course, if you do have any questions related to hashtag AskJake, you know the score by now. All you have to do is drop us an email, podcast at runningwithjake.com. Or stuff the question, just email me making suggestions for what Pete can dress as for the Manchester Marathon peer pressure. Let's put the dude under pressure. There's no need to do that. There's no Let's need. Let's see how this story unfolds. Have a great week of running. We'll be back next week. Next Wednesday we release full length episodes every Wednesday as you know. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our little show using the app on your mobile phone. Really simple, really easy and you will never miss an episode. That's it. We're out of here. Have a great week. Oh, 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 oh. And one more thing. You can never cross the ocean until you lose sight of the shore.